I think I was quite freaked out when they were babies about the extent to which my freedom and my life was being curtailed, mm-hmm. even though I'd chosen it. And all of a sudden I just burst into tears. Yeah. Because I realised that we'd finally made it. It's such a relief. <laughs> it is. That's exactly, that's the perfect word really, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's a relief. Welcome to Mother Other, a podcast exploring the space between motherhood and our desire for personal development and fulfillment. I am your host, Amy Pearson. This podcast is produced on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I wish to acknowledge them as the traditional owners. I would also like to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Oh, hello there. It's been a while. How are you? I'm so glad that you're here with me. I feel like I say that a lot in these intros, but I'm planning on a much smoother transition into season three, which isn't too far away now. Where have I been? Well, I don't even really know where to begin, but if you follow the Instagram account, Mother Other, you'll probably know that I'm pregnant, currently heading into my third trimester with my second bub. So that's been consuming a lot of my life and brain space. I also have an almost two-year-old now who I spend most of my time with. He was the inspiration for the beginning of this podcast, so that sort of shows you how long it's been. He is the absolute light of my life, but it's also really intense looking after a strong-willed toddler, as most of you probably know. I'm also in between homes right now. My partner and I packed up our entire life in Melbourne and made the huge life transition to relocate closer to our families in light of the border closures of 2020, which kept us away for an entire year. Uh, The move wouldn't have happened or really been such a big deal, but we have a little one who didn't really know his grandparents or cousins, and with a second on the way, we couldn't really see an alternative. So we're temporarily living in a very small space, the size of a bedroom with our bed, our toddler's bed and my desk all squished in. It's not very appealing. It doesn't look pretty and we all crave our own space daily, but it's temporary until we find a place of our own. And I keep reminding myself that we are incredibly privileged to have this as an option at all. On top of all of that, in the months since I last spoke to you, my toddler has been self-weaning which goes up and down with teething and these big life changes. Um, And it's actually going pretty well. He occasionally sleeps through the night, which I never thought was even possible given his sleep history. And he's parroting everything we say. He's also started slowly transitioning into daycare a few days a week, which has been an emotional rollercoaster for both of us, but I'm sure will pay off majorly in the coming weeks especially once the new baby arrives. So that kind of sums up where I'm at. Life is full and intense and flying by and it feels overwhelming a lot of the time. But there are many highs among the chaos of it all. So today's episode, the final of season two, is with the incredible Jess Prescott. Jess is a plant food genius with an Instagram account you may be familiar with, Holy Goodness, that's W-H-O-L-Y, holy. 
She's also the mother of two boys and co-owner of a newly launched postpartum business delivering glorious, nourishing foods and supplies to people during their postpartum period and beyond. Even if you don't live in Melbourne, you should check them out because they offer some excellent things like lactation cookies, tinctures and oils that are all helpful for new mums in many ways. Jess and I have a lot of crossover and we cover heaps of big topics in this episode, which was recorded all the way back in October. I was struggling through first trimester nausea at the time. And shortly after, my partner packed up our entire life and toddler and we moved interstate. So while I planned to release this before the end of 2020, it just wasn't possible. But it's done now and you're listening to it. So I will stop rambling on and let you dive in. Enjoy. So Jessica Prescott is the author of three cookbooks, a plant food wizard, postpartum doula and co-owner of Mama Goodness, delivering plant-powered meals and snacks to new mums in Melbourne and a mum of two boys. I don't know how you do it all, but I guess that's sort of the age old question and the purpose of the podcast. Um, So yeah, I'm so stoked to have you on the show. We've been trying to organise this for a while. Both of us have had things come up as we do as mums. So yeah. I'm looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, me too. Did you want to start off by telling us who you're a mum to? So I am a mum to Louis, who is almost five. He'll be five in December. And Jude, who is two next month. Ah, uh, sorry, next week, Friday, on Friday. He's two <laughs> in a week. <laughs> Amazing. And so what's the age gap there that's? It's three almost years? three years, almost, yeah. yeah. It was um, six weeks shy of three years. Mm. Yeah. Were you um, done with the breastfeeding of Louis before you got pregnant with Jude? Just. I weaned Louis in October and then I got pregnant in Jan. So I had a, a tiny oh. pause. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that would have been, I mean something good I'm I'm jealous of that that tiny pause because I haven't had a pause at all but I mean everyone's situation is obviously very different we weren't planning on having a baby this quick but we are yeah and so you just got to do what's right for each baby like I can't it's hard because he's still teething so I can't just well I could stop him but I can't like myself. It's just too Feels painful cruel, for me. Feels cruel, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I get it. And I, I always think... daydreamed about tandem feeding, but then it didn't happen. Yeah. See, I feel like I'm not strong enough for that. I don't know what yeah. it is. I, I think mums now that are I know how intense it is, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I I get <laughs> like I get stressed thinking about having to do that. I'm like, no, please, no, <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> So getting back to you, talk to me about your lifestyle and who you were as a working woman before your first baby. I think you were living in Berlin when you had Louis, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah, so, so I was working part-time in Berlin and I had a little blog named Holy Goodness, which is where I shared all of my plant-based recipes, all of my – it was just a bit of fun really. People were like, do you make money? And I was like, No. <laughs> Um, I never even knew you could make money from blogs back then. Um, But I was just living a really nice life. My husband is a hairdresser, so he was working for himself and I was working for Aesop and we would travel all over the place and, um, yeah, it was just really fun. And then I got 
nominated for a blog award and found out I was pregnant. And then when I was waiting for an email from my insurance company and it hadn't come through, so I checked my spam. I went to my spam and there were all these emails from publishing houses who had found out about me through the blog award and wanted to do a book together. So all of a sudden my life did a complete flip and I found myself pregnant and mm-hmm. writing a cookbook. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Whilst major working part-time. Yeah, major turn of events indeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how was that experience, especially giving birth in a sort of a place I assume was slightly foreign to you, like you hadn't been there for a long time and how was the sort of experience of that? We'd been there for two and a half years by that stage um, and I had a home birth so I didn't have to navigate the German hospital system. I had a really beautiful midwife and I had a doula and I don't know, I always said about Berlin, it almost felt like we were living in a video game (laughs) Um, because we just had this life that felt like it was running parallel to the lives of Germans and the lives of all the Turkish people that also lived in our neighbourhood. And yeah, we got... We got free money from the German government for having a baby. (laughs) Whoa. Um, It was just such a strange but wonderful existence, but it didn't really feel real ever. That's so interesting. And what about um, physical and emotional support during the postpartum period, especially considering you're so interested in that now? So I didn't have a postpartum doula or anything like that. I actually didn't even know back then that doulas did postpartum. I thought they were just for birth. Um, so because Andy was working for himself, he took a month off after I had Louis and I had my friends organize a food roster for me and I actually felt really good. I um, Have you seen the show Call the Midwife? <laughs> it's a British. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I spent a lot of time, I don't know why, I binge watched that show and I cried in every episode, <laughs> like bawled my eyes out. And I think that regular release helped me to mm. feel good. I also got my placenta encapsulated. And I remember one day when I was a little bit unstable and my husband Andy said to me, have you taken your placenta pills today? <laughs> and I was like, no, I haven't. <laughs> um, so but I felt really good. And Andy was so amazing. I know for a lot of people um, there can be quite a big divide uh, when they have a baby and, you know, you go from being a maiden to being a mother and, Often your partner doesn't meet you, but I never felt that way with him. I was so supported the entire way through the journey. Even now today, he's just the most supportive and wonderful person I could be having babies with. So I felt really good and I was really supported. He still does all of our housework, um, all of our laundry. Mm. So (laughs) cleans all the bathrooms. So does my partner actually. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. So um, that by way of physical support, I had a lot as well. Um, Yeah, so it was a a pretty nice time. That's amazing. That's such an ideal situation because I think, I mean, most people would take the idea of giving birth in another country without their close friends and family as like this – terrifying experience but yours sounds really peaceful and 
that kind was of really, idealistic. Yeah. And also because mm. Andy was working for himself, once he did go back to work, he would come home on his lunch break or, you know, he could block out two hours if he wanted to and yeah. he would take Louis to a playground. So once I started working again, I ended up um, ghost writing and shooting a cookbook for someone else. Oh, wow. He would just come, I would structure my day so that he could come home when I needed to do a photo um, and he would mm. take Louis out to the playground for an hour or two while I got things done. So it was really great. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Prior to this experience, did you always want children? Were you trying to have children together? Is it we were, something no, that you we, <laughs> I, I've always said I want to be a mum from for as long as I can remember. I've always wanted to be a mum. Uh, and then I was in this strange... It's really funny because in hindsight, I was so ready for kids, but I started to worry about the state of the planet, how many kids there already are without parents, how selfish it is to birth them ourselves when we could be adopting. And so I was in this conundrum of what do I do? Do I have kids? I want them, but do I want them? And Andy and I sort of decided... We'd been back to Melbourne um, for a three-month holiday and heaps of our friends had had kids and we were at someone's house one night and the conversation turned to sippy cups and what brand of sippy cup is the best and we were just like, get us the fuck out of here. This is so boring. <laughs> These people used to be the most interesting people we know and now we're talking about sippy cups. Like, are you serious? And so we sort of <laughs> – we decided that, yeah – that's something we'll tackle in due course. But for now, let's just keep living our fun Berlin life. Mm. Um, however, the result of a fun Berlin life was <laughs> pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. An accidental drunken pregnancy, which turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. But um, definitely wasn't what we were planning at that time. Mm. That's so interesting. I feel like most people that I've spoken to have planned their pregnancy, their first pregnancy, mm -hmm. and also a lot of people that I've spoken to have been the first of their friendship group to have kids and mm -hmm. felt so like I guess the same experience that you had where you went, what the hell is going on here? Like what is everyone talking about? Mm -hmm. I mean you feel the same way when your friends don't have kids because mm -hmm. they're talking about these fun things that you're no longer experiencing. Yeah. So it's funny the dichotomy between the two. Yeah. And did the reality of motherhood sort of take place as what you'd always envisioned it to be once it happened? Uh, it did. I thoroughly enjoyed it. However, no one prepared me. I mean, no, it's not that no one prepared me. I, I'm the one that was re responsible for all of my preparation, but I wasn't expecting the boredom. And mm. it's this funny situation where you're so in love with your child, but the monotony of, oh, especially man, yeah. before they start crawling around and start talking and start engaging with you a bit more, it's really, really boring. And you don't yeah. feel like you're allowed to say that because you're supposed to be so happy that you have a baby and so grateful. And, <laughs> you know, the two things can exist. You can love your baby and be so grateful and happy to have them, but also be really fucking bored. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so I wasn't expecting that. It's a that. major, 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can relate 100%. This is why the podcast exists, I guess. Yeah. I was so bored. And also I had ideas about the type of person my child would be. And that yeah. was, he's, he's so different to how I thought he would be. And that was a huge lesson for me. Um, but, you know, it, it's just really interesting how you sort of think motherhood's going to go a certain way and then it, your child leads mm. you and it goes an entirely different way. Mm-hmm. Totally. They have yeah. their own course. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever worry about when you were going through that pregnancy how much it would have an impact on your, especially your um, flourishing career that was just kind of beginning in the cookbook world? Um, I didn't, to be honest, because we were in Germany and um, so at that stage we didn't know when we were going to move back to Australia, if at all. Um, and they have really amazing childcare there. So it's just the norm that when your kid turns one or two, they go five days a week to kinder. Um, it's crazy cheap. All you have to pay for is the food. (laughs) So it costs like 40 euros a month or something crazy like that. It's so cheap and, and they're everywhere. Um, and they're small and they're very child focused and, uh, so that was sort of always in the back of my mind an option. But then once I had Louis and I realized what it must be like for Andy's mum to have him living over the other side of the world, um, we had to move home. Like there was just no way I could raise a child on the other side of the world and, and away from his family and away from his cousin. Um, mm. So I wasn't really worried about my career because I just I – just, make things work somehow. I, um, you know, we've got daycare, we've got grandparents, you just figure it out somehow. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. How old was he when, um, you sort of decided that you would move back? Did you say? He, so he was one when we decided, um, yeah. but then we ended up staying. We thought we might as well make the most of all the free travel that we can do with Louie. Um, yep. all over Europe and also moving is expensive. So we needed to sort of save a little bit to be able to ship all of our furniture and things back over here. So we ended up moving when he was almost two. He was it's uh, two months shy of two actually to the day. Yeah, we're going through the same sort of situation and I guess COVID has impacted that a lot, but we're actually moving back to New South Wales ah. um, because our whole family is from New South Wales, both of us, and we've been here with zero family and close friends. Like we've made a lot of friends here. We've got a great community now, but it's been really tricky and also the lockdown, the border closure specifically, has just kind of freaked us out like we don't, we don't get to sort of share this journey with our with his grandparents and with his yeah. um, aunties and uncles and all of that type of thing and his cousins there's so many cousins up there so as much as melbourne is the ideal place for us to be living um because of both of our careers and everything it's just not really ideal for our kid so mm-hmm. yeah we've had to make the decision and it's been so hard because we're wrangling with what's best for him and for our support and what's best for our enjoyment and like, I guess, life fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but we can always move back when he's older, I guess. Totally. It's just one of those things. If I didn't have Andy's family here, I don't think I would be here still. I think we would have moved to New Zealand. 
which is where my family yeah, is. Yeah, because you're from – yeah, right. Yeah. I forgot about that. So yeah. have you been able to speak, see your family much during the process with the two boys? So when we first moved back, I took, and I took Louis to New Zealand for a month, which was lovely, and Andy joined us for Christmas. Um, and my mum has been over a number of times. However, <laughs> my dad um, – my stepdad, I guess. He's not my biological father, but he is the one who raised me. He had a motorbike accident at the end of last year and is now a paraplegic. Oh, so, mum, I luckily, luckily, I was like, this is fucked. I'm coming to see you for your birthday. And so I took Jude and we went for only three days because it's all we could manage. It was, there was the window of time between work and Louis's birthday. So I just took Jude for three days to see him, cheer him up. And I'm so glad we did that because then COVID hit and the borders have been closed. There's no way I could have. So they, he yeah. still wouldn't have met Jude. Mum's met Jude because she's been over since he was born. Um, but it's really hard. Mum's super sad that she can't come over for both reasons, partly because she's now caring for someone in a wheelchair and also because of mm. <laughs> COVID. Yeah. yeah. So hectic. Yeah. So many massive changes over the past 12 months for everybody. Mm-hmm. And just like wrangling with all of those weird rules that we're now abiding by. It's bizarre, huh? Yeah. But thank God for FaceTime and WhatsApp yeah. and Zoom and, you know, all of these wonderful yeah. communication tools where we can still do face to face. And I can, I, you know, I chat with my mom and I just flip the camera around so she can see the boys playing while we're chatting. Um, mm. so, you know, we, we make it work, but I really miss her at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I feel that too. Yeah. I understand. It's so tricky. So talking about the way that this transition from maiden to mother changed your identity, how much did your own perception of who you were change? How much did your own perception of how the world saw you changed? Hmm, that's an interesting question because um, something I struggled with a lot, which I know is very ego-driven, was the invisibility. It was like as soon as I had a baby, as soon as I was behind a pram, I became invisible. And I don't mean because everyone was stopping to coo at my baby and not talk to me like you do with dogs. <laughs> um it was more that, you know, I was living in, living in Berlin in this very hip neighborhood and all of a sudden people who you sort of, you know, you walk past strangers in the street and you give each other an approving glance or a smile yeah. or whatever. And all of a sudden these people didn't even look in my direction. And I just was like, fuck, <laughs> who yeah. even am I now? Um, yeah. And it's silly that, you know, they're strangers. It doesn't matter that they didn't notice me, but it was definitely something that I wasn't expecting and had to sort of try and reconcile within myself. Yeah, I definitely feel that. I think a lot of women would have felt that, mm. especially creatives and people who are in that sort of world of, yeah, like sharing sharing interesting things about yourself with the world. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what we're doing when you kind of break it down and then all of a sudden, oh, you're just a mum. You're just some. Yeah, you're baby. just a mum now and you're yeah. boring. And also both pregnancies I gained quite a lot of weight, like 30 kilos each time, which was about if you halved my weight and added it to me, you know, like yeah. it was a lot. Yeah. 
It wasn't just the typical small amount. So not only was I dealing with this invisibility and, you know, the exhaustion and the hormones and, and the joy and everything, but also this feeling of not feeling at home in my body, not yeah. really, um, not feeling good, not feeling yeah. attractive or. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, again, it's really superficial, but it's also important it's to okay feel good. To f- and it's okay to feel that, that it doesn't yeah. matter that it's superficial. It's, it's a major, it's a major shift in how you were seen to mm. the world. Yeah. And I totally understand that. I felt very similar and I know a lot of women feel very similar. And I think it's, it's also, I suppose, you can't really prepare yourself mentally for that. But also a lot of people sort of have this expectation that you will just have a baby and then go back to who you were before physically. Totally. And it just totally. doesn't help. And it doesn't help that most of my friends <laughs> were those people. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then mm. speaking of friends... And especially during that time in Berlin, but I guess in Melbourne as well, did you have other mums that had been through these major shifts mentally that you could talk to about any of this stuff or did you process a lot of that alone? Um, so in Berlin I had Shanae, my doula, who was also a good friend, and she's she's just amazing. Um, she's so supportive. She checks in all the time, makes it, you know, asks how you're doing, Tells you you're beautiful even when you feel like shit. <laughs> um, and as well as her, I had a really beautiful handful of friends who we all lived nearby one another and we had a Facebook messenger group where we would just say, oh, I'm going to this playground if anyone wants to join. And quite often, you know, you'd be able to meet a friend at the playground. Um, so I had a really lovely little mum community there. Yeah. Um here it's been a little bit different. I um I had a friend who we'd been good friends for a really long time and I sort of moved back and just expected that I would be a part of her village and her community and it it wasn't like that at all. Um mm. I was sort of made to feel quite unwelcome and nice. we ended up um, having a epic friendship breakup um, when I was seven months postpartum with Jude, right. and it was really hard. It wasn't dramatic. It was very. We really spoke about everything in a very mature and honest way, but it doesn't mean that it was easy. Um, yeah, it was really fucking hard actually, but it was necessary, um, and it's forced me to find my own village and. Yeah. That is wonderful. Um, Ilsa, who's been on your podcast before, she was someone who yeah. came into my life around that time and I just adore her. I'd, I'd be lost without mm. her. <laughs> um, and, That's amazing. And, yeah. Um, but it's it's interesting. You have these expectations of friendships and how they'll evolve and grow when you have children together. But in, in my case, it was the opposite. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never thought mm. about it that way because I guess most of my friends, close friends and long-term friends, most of which don't live here, a few of them do, haven't got kids. I'm pretty much the first one out of all of my kind of age group of friends that I either went to school with or grew up with that has a baby. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely been shifts in those friendship groups, but I didn't even imagine that having kids at the same time as them might not mean that you'd 
because everyone's on a different journey. Everyone's on like mm-hmm. having different experiences and it's never necessarily going to stay aligned. But yeah, that really sucks. I'm sorry you went through that. <laughs> yeah, it was really hard. It's it's still hard actually, but um, it's yeah. also a relief. I feel a lot of freedom um, mm. that the friendship wasn't particularly healthy. So um, yeah, it's, it's good. It's a good thing. It's just, yeah. Know, it is in hindsight always, yeah. right? But friendship breakups are really bloody hard and, like, no one really gives that the validation that it needs. People just talk about relationship breakups but they don't ever talk totally. about friendship breakups and I think it's almost more heartbreaking because yeah, I guess. And totally, yeah. And you, there's a sense of pride for me in, in all of my, my friendships and, um, you know, certain friends you just imagine growing old together so when you realise that's not going to happen... Um, yeah it's really hard yeah totally that's so funny because I was going to ask you how your relationships have changed since you've become a parent and I guess you've already answered that for me um (laughs) and how about relationships with your family your mum your mother-in-law did those change much after you had kids um it's hard to say I can't remember what things were like before yeah, okay. It's been quite a while. Yeah. Um, I have a really great relationship with my mother-in-law. I know not everyone has that. I'm very, very lucky. Um, and if anything, we've grown closer because I'm more gentle and patient and compassionate <laughs> towards mm-hmm. her. And as I said earlier, you know, this realisation that I'd, I'd moved with her son to the other side of the world and how, how hard that must be because I never want my children to move to the other side of the world. Um, yeah. And also just, so my mum my mom had me when she was really young and I, we had a pretty tumultuous time. We sort of grew up together, I guess. She, she got pregnant yeah, when she was okay. 15 and then had me when she was 16. So she was, by my age, I'd moved out of home. I'm 35 now. So when my mum was 35, I'd already left home. Wow. And it's been, um, you know, I used to hold a lot of grudges towards her and the things that she put me through. Um, But now I, I can see it from a different perspective and I have a lot more compassion for her and how she just did what she had to do to survive. Yeah. Um, I can't even imagine having a kid that young. I mean, I feel like I'm only 30 and I feel like I'm still a child having a, having kids, too. you know. I feel like, yeah. I, and I guess we all, we do all have an inner child and that's why, but I yeah. feel like a little girl, but I'm yeah. a mother. <laughs> imagine being 15 or 16, it's just unfathomable to go through and also they didn't have this was the 80s she didn't have the resources that we have now so you know do you follow the holistic psychologist on instagram yes i do yeah oh my god where was she 30 Mm. years ago seriously (laughs) i think yeah yeah you know things would be a lot different um then if my mum even says to me now even just with you know the online um you know, just like Instagram accounts about breastfeeding or online information. Yeah. She didn't have access to any of that. And mm. she says, you know, you're so lucky that you've got mm. all of this information and support that mm. she never had. And a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people and my mum included, I mean, my mum had me 
at the end of the 80s and my um, siblings were born, you know, in the 70s and the 80s. But it, it was pretty much you took the information that you were given from your mum or from your mm-hmm. mother-in-law yeah. or from whoever was very close to you at the time and that's it. That's all you had. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of did what they did. It would be so out of the blue for you to come up with some new, you know, like co-sleeping thing that wasn't happening at the time. Totally. But now it's like sometimes that people like friends and family are so surprised about the choices that I make, I guess, because they just didn't do things that way when they had kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so getting more towards your the work side of things, um, the existential dilemma that we experience between, you know, looking after our kids and doing our work and like choosing our priorities and whatever it is. So how do you manage all of that, especially with two, because it's hard enough with one, as I know, um, and breastfeeding and you make a lot of bread, which I now make <laughs> thanks to you. And <laughs> how do you do uh, everything? Like people ask me the question all the time and I'm, I'm like, I don't feel like I do that much, but I, I do, I guess. How do so you do I, okay. So with my, so with Mama Goodness, that business basically was born while I was going through my postpartum period with Jude and there was so much that I did on my phone while I was breastfeeding. So I guess I sort of made the most of the breastfeeding time and, you know, of course you want to look into their eyes and play with their hair and their hands and everything while they're feeding, but there's also sometimes where they're just guzzling away. They don't want to be engaging with you. They just want to be having their milk and I use that time to research things like what bottles we're going to put our Zen drops in and packaging and, you know, all yeah. of that. Um, I've also always utilised the evenings to get work done. Um, so once the children are in bed, I um, sort of find my second wind and get a little bit of work done. And with writing cookbooks, it's... You sort of, you know, I'm cooking anyway. So, and with my latest book, it's a one-pot book for busy parents who may have children that don't let them put them down, (laughs) which was my case. So I always say I wrote that book with June on one hip and a spoon in the other hand. Yeah. Um, And so I would just make notes and then later on when he was in bed, I'd write the recipe properly. Um. Mm. But it's definitely a juggle and this is a really good time for us to be doing this. You know, we've been trying to do this podcast together for almost a year, I think, but it's so good that it's happening now because we're about to go through a huge change as a family. Um, So my husband, Andy, is a hairdresser, as I've mentioned, but he's also studying teaching. And at the moment he has... So he works Wednesday through Saturday and Tuesday is his study day. However, it's it's always been, so I then work on Tuesdays for Mama Goodness and the children are at daycare on Thursdays. So that's when I get everything else done, whether it's finishing a cookbook, doing a photo shoot for someone. Today after yeah. we do this, I'm um, doing a recipe for Obis. So there's always a lot happening on Thursdays. And it's always been that if the children are sick, it falls on me. And yeah. now since COVID, since this, since the second epic lockdown where he wasn't working, he was at home with the children more than me. And he's just, he's just such an amazing dad. Um, he's so fun. He takes them to playgrounds 
before Jude's nap and after Jude's nap. He does all the laundry. I come home and the house is spotless. He's prepped dinner. The kids are happy. The laundry's done. And I'm just like, how do you do it? I don't get it. Like, how do you have so much time and energy? And I've realized that the children fight a lot more when they're around me and they also just need me more. They're happy sort of mm. playing and being around Andy and, and he also play, like really plays with them. Lots of play fighting, playing on the trampoline and stuff like that. But they're not as – he can get a lot more done than I can when he's at home with them. Mm. And so I've said to him, you know, it's coming up five years now since Louis was born and I need things to change. I cannot keep living this way. I'm First of all, I'm burning out because of all the work I'm doing when I should be resting but also the interruptions to my work. It's really hard. Like, you know, there was a day that you and I had scheduled a podcast and I had to cancel because one of my kids was sick. Yeah. And yeah. so we're actually about to change things and he's going to be stay-at-home dad and I'm going to be wow. working mum. That's great. He'll still work uh, Thursdays because that's a long day in the hairdressing world or at least in his yep. salon, and, and um, the first Saturday of every month, I think. But we're still we're still figuring it out, actually. But because yeah. Louis's starting school, if Andy was working and working on Saturdays, he would only see him one day a week. So mm. there's a lot of reasons for this, partly because Louis's starting school, mostly because I'm burnt out and because I want to have more time for my career. Um, I want yeah. to grow my And you've goodness. got a lot of things to juggle, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking about doing another cookbook. I also want to be taking on postpartum clients, which I, I said to Andy, you know, I cannot, if one of our children is sick, there is no way I'm cancelling on a mum. It needs to fall on yeah. him. And he's yeah. he's okay with that. And it's, you know, and I was like, do that for five years and then maybe we'll have some more babies. <laughs> <laughs> but right now I just yeah. need a break. And I love being a mum and I'll still be, you know, it's not like I'm not going to be here. I'll still be around so much. It's just that the, the weight of a lot of it will fall on Andy now. Yeah. And it's, that's it's, really um, nice to hear. Yeah. That I'm shift so, is happening. I'm so mm. excited. Um, it sounds like he's capable as well. Like he's not one of those men, the sort of traditional men that really are hopeless and oh, would just spend yeah. the day playing with the kid and then nothing else gets done, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's really nice to hear. Actually, my partner's been off work for, I don't know, maybe six weeks now because of COVID and mm -hmm. we're moving back and the situation he was in was just really shit. So he just quit because it wasn't worth it um, and having him home, being able to look after Dory while I'm doing everything I need to do and also dealing with what I'm dealing with mm -hmm. um, has been so amazing. Like I just, I, know. I was like, imagine if this was the way for the past year and a half of our life. It just would have been so much it's easier. I would have made so much more money and got so much more done mm -hmm. in my career. But, yeah, exactly. It always falls on me when I when was something not ready. Wrong. Andy to go back to work yeah. um yeah at Neither. all I I he yeah you know they announced on Sunday that hair salons were opening back up so on Tuesday he was back for a oh, few hours yeah, yeah yeah and um I'm sort of like whoa I thought we would have at least another week for me to you know yeah. get on top of things before he goes back but here we are now he'll be slammed until Christmas but then and then sort of a it's light like at the end of the tunnel. next year yeah, yeah. okay yes yeah. Yeah. 
that's nice. And also the other thing I wonder is do you feel tethered to your kids when you do get that space to do things or do you feel, especially after the weaning process, or do you find it rejuvenating when you get that space to do your work? I always start missing them at about three. <laughs> and I'm like, yep. okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to have them back now. I'm ready to see them. And then I'm always like, no, no, yep. no, no. Leave them at daycare for two more hours. The amount you can get yep. done in a two-hour period is phenomenal. Yep. But I do, I do miss them a lot. Uh, and there's usually, you know, Andy will send videos and photos and things throughout the day, little updates of what they're doing. And if anyone hurts themselves, they'll call me to tell me, have a little cry and I'll kiss them through the screen. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's a bit of both. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'll forever feel tethered to them, but it's rejuvenating to have a little break. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I assume it was probably tricky the first few nights of weaning, but then it got easier as time went on. Is that the, what kind of happened for you or uh, was it just so a good break straight away? I really distracted myself um, by uh, completing a postpartum doula course. So Ah, yes, okay. Yeah, so I just went on an absolute study bender. I yep. was at my in-law's apartment. I didn't leave the first day. I just, I got there. I made my sage tea and then I just absolutely devoured this course and I did it all day, all night, went to sleep, woke up, did the exact same thing the next day. And so it was good to have that distraction. Um, yeah. I did then on the Saturday night go and pick up Louie once Jude was asleep so that Louie and I could have a sleepover because it's been a long time since we had some one-on-one -on -one time. That's really nice, yeah. Yeah, and so then we spent a little bit of Sunday together as well, but then I was like, I need Jude. Like, I miss him so much. So yeah, of course. I was really ready to see him by the time. Yeah. I, I stayed away yeah. for three nights in total. Oh, man, yeah. that's hectic. Yeah. And I can imagine, I can imagine feeling the same. So I only have a few questions left. I'd like to know what success looks like to you personally and how much oh. it's changed since you became a mum. Okay. So I guess, you know, before you have kids or even just when you're young, um, success looks like money, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, whereas now money is, I mean, we need enough to get by but it's definitely not a measure of success for me by any means. Um, happy children. They say you're only as happy as your most unhappy child. <laughs> and I can really relate to that. Um, yeah. It's uh, so happy children, a happy heart. To me, that's success. Just feeling good. Yeah. 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 Life's too short to have all of these. It's funny because like you say, I sort of used to picture success as like that awful like stock image of a suitcase and like a businessman with dollar totally. signs on it. Yeah. And it's just not at all how I see that now. It's just completely shifted. If I've made um, dinner and the house is clean, that's a bonus. <laughs> oh, that's major success. Major that's like success. you are living the dream right there. But um, yeah, you know, just having just feeling happy in myself and, and knowing that my kids are happy, that to me is success for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so the final question, what has motherhood done for you? Oh, so many <laughs> things. It's, it's 
shaken my perspective on so many things. I used to worry about so much existential bullshit, really. And then when I got pregnant with Louie, I just, that all melted away. And I was just living in constant marvel of the human body and biology and how yeah we grow this human inside us. It's just astounding, really, when you think about it. Um, and it's something you always hear people talking about, but until you go through it yourself, it doesn't really resonate. So it's, it's definitely shifted my perspective on a lot of things. It's made me worry less about certain things, but also worry more about other things. Yeah. Um, and I guess this is something I've been speaking about with Andy lately. It's given me a mirror. Um, so there is no escaping, especially with Louis. If I even, if my tone even gets a tiny bit cross, he'll say, yeah. don't get angry with me. Or we don't speak to people like that. And I'm like, I'm only talking like this because I've asked you five times to find your other shoe so we can go to the playground. It's like the minute I'm like, Louis, he's like, mom. But um, also the flip side is... Jude and Louis both, both Louis and Jude, but especially Jude at the moment because he's talking so much. He says these things and I'm like, oh, my God, you're so fucking cute. Where did you get that from? And then I realize it's from me. And he said, like, you know, because they just they just mirror everything we do. And yeah. so I'm like, oh, my God, you're you're wonderful. And, and, and it makes me feel really good about myself because he's, yeah. he's mirroring me. And, yeah, yeah. Um, Totally. It's, it's, it's great. It's something I noticed already as well. Because, I mean, my my boy's only, oh, I think he's 19 months now and he's his vocab is kind of crazy. Like he, he was kind of like one of the first kids that started speaking, one of the last kids to walk in the mother's group, but one of the first kids to start yabbering away. And I think it's probably because I speak so much. Like he's yeah. just picked up on <laughs> What I do, um, yeah. but man, he comes out with the funniest words and things, and I think, oh my god, you've learned that from me. I didn't even yeah, realize I was so saying that. Cool, like, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. Thing you don't even realize, or you don't even realize how often you say something, and he'll say the things he says to Louis are just so cute. But you know, also there's <laughs> there was a time where Jude got angry with Louis, and he was like, Jude, fuck, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, 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 that was me the other day when I lost my shit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you know, it's it. um, it's a blessing and a curse, I guess. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Oh my god, it's such a joy. Thank you so much for taking the time out. I know you've got lots of things to do, especially considering it's one of your work days today. So I appreciate That's okay. it. Okay, thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast, so it's a, it's an absolute honor to be oh. on here. Lovely to hear that. And I love you, everything you put out into the world. So it's oh, great to thank have you, you. <laughs> to share with everybody else. So thank yeah, so have much. a great day. And thank I'll, you. I'm sure I'll be in touch with you very soon. And that's a wrap. As always, thank you endlessly for listening to today's conversation. I am so thankful to have you here joining me on this trajectory through mother and otherhood. If you love the show, please do go ahead and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And if you could spare a minute, rating or reviewing the podcast goes a long way to helping this show reach more ears and provide solidarity to other mothers out there who may need a little affirmation or even entertainment in their lives. See you next time.